Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show, where we interview founders of fast-growing seven- and eight-figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts. They'll tell their stories, share how they 2X their businesses, and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is. The man in the mix, Kunle Campbell. Hello, 2Xers. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kunle Campbell, and this is the podcast where I interview e-commerce entrepreneurs and online marketing experts who help uncover e-commerce marketing tactics and strategies to help you, my fellow 2Xers and listeners, double specific e-commerce metrics in your online stores. So if you're looking to double metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, traffic and ultimately sales, you are on the right place. On today's show, my guest is a co-founder and head of growth at Virtue Size, a fashion e-commerce tech startup with a global footprint. Founded in 2011, Virtue Size is a virtual fitting application that helps shoppers size and fit themselves into clothes sold online. Now, let me tell you how it works. Well, it offers a garment-to-garment comparison by enabling consumers compare sizes. So if you had a good pair of trousers you loved, your favorite pair of trousers, you give the tool the measurements of your trousers. And then while you're shopping online, with the shops that have virtue size, it just superimposes the silhouette or silhouette on their their sizing to let you know if it sizes just the way your favorite pairs pairs of trousers actually fit. He's going to tell you more about it anyway. They boast of clients such as Ocne, United Arrows, Salora, Nelly, Acne Jeans, and Balenciaga, the Italian designer. So they were also awarded the Retail Technology Initiative of the Year by the World Retail Awards. And a bit about him, he's um, the co-founder, as I said. He used to work at Deutsche Bank in merger acquisitions, internet um, technology, and has an MSc in economics in, in stock from Stockholm School of Economics. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Peter Stubert to the show. Welcome, Peter. Could you please take a minute or two to introduce yourself? Thank you, Conley, and I'm really happy to be uh, here on this show. Yeah, I'm Peter Stubert. Uh, I co-founded this company um, three years ago, and prior to that, I was working in um, internet and tech uh, uh, mergers and acquisitions. So I've had a, like a big love for for internet and online for many years, and uh, also for fashion. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. So you worked in, in Deutsche Bank, um, I believe, and a, a few other startups, and you you worked in internet and technology merger and acquisitions, right? Okay, so yep. could you tell us more about the founders? I, I realized that you have five founders in virtue size. How does the management look like in the marketing team? What's the structure like, please? Definitely. So uh, we're five founders. We're two founders on the business side of things and uh, three founders on the product side of things. And on the product, you have uh, Gustav, who is the CEO and the head of product. And uh, he has an engineering background. And then you got Christopher, who is a designer and have uh, 12 years of design experience. And then we have Yevgenig Soy, who is the CTO and who is a programmer and has a solid and long programming background. And actually, the whole firm is kind of mirroring a little bit the structure of the founders. So I would say around 60% of the team is focused on the product. And 
40% is focused on the business side. Uh, the business side being uh, creating new the, the partnerships with all the all the different retailers in the world, and yeah, marketing uh, our product and uh, letting the world know about us. So you're head of growth, so you're more marketing, I, I believe. Exactly. I'm you know since I'm a founder, I'm a little bit involved in everything on the business side. I try to stay out too much of the product, but you know <laughs> it's a we're still a small company, so I'm pretty involved in in everything. Yeah. Oh, speaking about the size of the company, how how many staff um, do you have? Now, now we're th- uh, thirty people, and we are around 20 uh, based in Stockholm okay. so the headquarters Sweden. in Stockholm in Sw- Stockholm Sweden exactly and then we have another 10 people uh, spread out around the world so we have uh, a small office in Japan we have an office in Berlin one in London and just recently we opened up an office in New York in New York which is uh, very very exciting and that's why I said you have a global footprint um it since you have a big vision for sizing and garment you know um sizing in, in general and yes your expansion seems to be on every continent basically right are you bootstrapped or funded we were we're funded uh, definitely uh, we, we did bootstrap uh, ourselves during the first year and uh, you know stockholm is a good environment to to be a scrappy entrepreneur <laughs> but then after the first year we we did uh, we got some seed funding from a swedish investment company called Arisund. And also from a few angel investors, one worth mentioning is Fredrik Olberg, who's currently in the top management at the gaming developer King.com, which does Candy Crush, etc. Before that, he was actually head of growth or head of M&A at eBay. So he has brought uh, some good knowledge uh, to the firm. And now, and you know, a year ago, we did another round of funding and we brought on a venture capital firm called uh, DX which is a D-AX, and it's it's basically entrepreneurs who set up the fund, and uh, it's backed by a very good, a big uh, uh, investment firm in uh, Sweden. So all your funding is, is Swedish, is Stockholm-based or Swedish-based? Almost. We have a few angel investors that, you know, we wanted to bring on to the team because of their knowledge. So we actually have another great person from eBay, uh, a girl called Miriam Lahash, who was head of, used to be head of fashion at eBay. And now she's working with uh, other online and, and digital ventures. Sounds like you have a great team. And, you know, it's, it's all about people at the end of the day to make them good people make great products. So, yes, it, it looks quite interesting. Headquartered in, in Stockholm and, you know, offices across the world. Right. Well, what's your take up been in the EU, in Europe, um, in America and um, in, in Asia? Given the fact that you, you now have offices, you know, spread out in Berlin, London, New York, Japan and Stockholm, your headquarters. Yeah, I would say, you know, since we started in Sweden, it was natural that we, you know, had a lot of Swedish clients initially. So quite a lot of like the, the important and big Swedish retailers are partners of ours. UK has been an important market also early on, and uh, I think that has to do with the maturity of the market. So, you know, I would regard UK as a very advanced e-commerce market. And then the, uh, the third market we went into, actually, you know, the big effort was uh, Japan. And it wasn't just a natural thing to do because in, in Japan, we, we had fantastic traction. So like we almost like all the retailers jumped up on us. And today we have, we're covering, I mean, the retailers that are clients of ours, 
between themselves, covering maybe uh, 50% of the whole Japanese uh, online parallel e-commerce market. So, yeah, we, we have four or five of the biggest retailers in Japan on board. Yeah, uh, the U.S., however, uh, it's have been not up until now that we've uh, moved into the U.S. We opened up our New York office uh, this autumn, and we have been in dialogue with a lot of U.S. companies throughout the last three years, but we haven't you know, gone, uh, put our full focus there. But we are definitely doing that now. And it has also to do with the maturity of the market. So we feel that now is a good time to approach the US retailers. Quite interesting Um, that the UK is in your opinion, is more advanced than, than the US. Um, Japan is not a surprise. You know, they, I remember NTT Docomo, their the mobile phones back in the 90s. I mean, they were using really flashy mobile phones at the time that could do so many things way before the iPhone. And, uh, you know, they're, they're always ahead. You know, US as compared to the UK, what's made the UK in fashion e-commerce so yeah. dynamic? Yeah. Uh, okay, so so first of all, this is in my opinions. This is not scientifically <laughs> proved. Still, but, but I think yeah, I'm right to be honest. And and you know, we speak to so many retailers. I mean, I would say we're in dialogue with uh, nearly every or most of the big retailers around the world, at least in the U.S., Europe, and and Japan. And my impression is, first of all, UK is, is a huge uh, retail nations. A retail nation. So you have a massive amount of, of big re- traditional retailers. And you also have a good history of mail ordering companies. For example, ShopDirect is a massive company that's been in mail ordering throughout the last decades. And they are moving, uh, obviously moving over to online and, and you know, creating, uh, transforming their whole big company into an e-commerce company. So there is a lot of uh, sort of uh, <laughs> bulk to take from a lot of big retailers who are trying to get into online and doing it very well as well. And the other thing I think is that you had even, I think it was like maybe 10 or even 15 years ago, you had the first, you know, big attempts to, to sell clothes online. And the two really successful ones, I think most people would agree, the first ones would be ASOS and Netaporter. Uh, those are really the entrepreneurs that showed, proved that you could sell clothes online. If you kind of backtrack uh, to uh, 10 years back, people didn't believe that you could shop clothes online. But ASOS and, and Netaporter proved that you could. And even with Netaporter, it's even more interesting because they proved that you could sell very, very expensive clothes online. And a lot and of people think... People back, yes, yeah, they're so both that's had- even a bigger yeah yes indeed yes indeed you're absolutely spot on there so let's go back to virtue size i probably didn't do you enough justice actually introducing and explaining what it does could you break down first of all what you found was a problem in fashion e-commerce and how your approach to solve the problem and describe virtue size how it functionally works today definitely i'd be very glad to do that so i mean basically we shopped a lot online ourselves and that's why we wanted to start this company uh, so, so we've all been you know pretty fashion uh, oriented and, and you know loved shopping online we loved uh, the fact that you could access shops at any time you're not restricted by opening hours 
and you weren't restricted by geography either. And that, that's maybe more important for us because we could access brands and products that you couldn't get in Stockholm. So we loved all of that with the e-commerce experience. But we had often when we shopped online, we ordered the wrong size or uh, the size was citation marks right but the fit was the fit or the dimensions of the garment were not what we expected so we realized that you know size for one but also the fit the dimensions of the garments that's really hard to understand when you shop online the other things of uh, sort of trying clothes on when you shop online, uh, we felt that, you know, it works pretty well because most retailers are really good with showing a number of pictures of their products. So as a consumer, you get a good understanding of color, cut and design of the garment. But size and fit is, is a big black hole. And the, the reason it is a big black hole is, you know, first of all, sizes differ between brands. That's just the nature of fashion. So different brands cater to different demographies. So like a designer brand will not have the same grading or sizing than a mainstream uh, brand. So Prada, for example, versus Gap, it will always be different gradings because they when they design their clothes, they think of different audiences. So, and it, just to be super clear on this, I myself can be anything from a small to an extra large. And I bought a jacket last year, and, and that was a small, that was a skiing jacket from an American brand. And the shirt I'm wearing today, uh, speaking to you, Kunli, uh, it, it's, it's actually an extra large, and it's an Italian shirt. Right. And I, and I think everyone agrees with that, that, you know, you differ between sizes. It might not be as extreme, small to extra large, but you def most people probably uh, jump in between two sizes. Absolutely. But now to the more important thing for us, even if you know your size in a specific brand, just knowing the size doesn't say anything about the dimensions or the fit of the garment. For example, if I know that I'm a 32 in uh, acne jeans, mm -hmm. just knowing I'm a 32 and I'm looking to buy a pair of, let's call them a max jeans. It's actually a real style from acne. Looking at the max jeans from acne, okay. knowing I'm a 32, it's not, not a lot of information because you don't really know if the max jeans are, are skinny. Maybe I see that they are skinny from the pictures, but I don't know. Are they skinny, super skinny or, or you know... Uh, what, what do you call them? Uh, straight, a, straight, but can't super skinny. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, there are all kinds of cuts on jeans. And just knowing the size doesn't say anything about that. So as a consumer, you need to get an understanding of the fit of the garment. Same thing if I'm a girl and looking to buy a dress. You know, I look at the dress, but the question is, will you know, how long is this dress okay. really? Will it cover my knees? So I was on a retail site and typically... What you, you tend to have at the basic level, the most basic level, they say, they show you, a, they draw a diagram, almost like a stickman diagram, and they give you dimensions, and there's a table there, there's a big table, and then there's the numbers there, and then they say, you know, if you measure waist, and it's this, you know, um, it's this measurement, centimeters or, or inches, then you should be this size. I was on another website um, the other time and um, they asked me to take my measurements. And then every time I went into a page, they, they then recommended sizes to me. Now, how does virtue sizes 
um, solution actually differ from these two solutions? And, you know, how, why is it better? And could you explain the, the key difference, please? Definitely. And I, I, I should also explain exactly how Vertisize works, even though you did that uh, very good and spot on initially in the interview. But I'd like to add something that has happened with the product. We made a huge improvement. So it's, it's actually very cool. But first two, two questions. So the first example you gave was that you get into a retailer brand site and they have, you know, a table with, uh, they ask you to measure, etc. And it's basically a size table. And, but those size tables in near, at nearly all of the retailers are general size tables for all the products within the brand. So it doesn't say anything about the specific style. So, you know, if I use these size tables and I, I'm a medium, uh, you know, at this big retailer, it doesn't say anything about the style. So I'm, I'm a medium across all their different styles. And that's not very convincing. It's actually, it's a, you know, I, I think most people, and I know most people don't find these sort of tables useful because it's not, uh, it's so, so generic. So it, and the other thing is that, you know, this is the opinions of the retailer that, you know, uh, everyone who measures this and that over the chest, they should be a medium. But you might want to wear uh, this brand slightly looser or slightly tighter, or you might, might have really long arms. So with virtue size installed in a fashion retailer's website, how does this change from the table? Yes, what we do is the, the biggest thing, the biggest difference from the table is that we illustrate each and every style and we do it visually. So the way Vertisize works is that you find Vertisize at the, the retailers who uses us, who are partners with us. You see, you find us on the product page. Perhaps you're looking to buy a dress. Then you find the Vertisize button next to the size selector and you click on the Vertisize button. And then what Virtuesize does is we show you pictures of garments that you have already bought at this same retailer or at another retailer that uses Virtuesize. And then you can just click on one of the pictures of, you know, one of the products that you, you like to use as a reference that you know well. And then what we do is we draw up the silhouette of the reference garment, the product you already own. And on top of that, we put the silhouette of the garment you're looking to buy. And then you see exactly, you know, compared to my reference dress, you know, the dress I'm looking to buy is going to be slightly longer on the length, you know, more or less the same over the bust, maybe slightly wider over the hip. You see visually exactly the fit. So you can both like try different sizes, but also even if a certain size is probably the closest one, you will also see the dimensions or a visual presentation of what you can expect. That's quite clever. Uh, yeah. And the added benefit with it as well is that you, if you shop a lot at retailers where, that uses Virtuesize, you build up a virtual wardrobe with reference garments that you have both like a picture of this garment, but you also have the dimensions. So it's actually pretty cool, like virtual wardrobe that you can use on all the sites where we are available. And then another point I need to mention is that if you don't have a previous purchase, if you haven't shopped anything on the site where we are available, uh, you can still use virtual sites, but then you have to measure a garment uh, at home with a measuring tape. And the important thing to point out is that you only have to measure a garment once and then you have it at the, in your virtual size probe. 
So I get on my favorite pair of jeans. I know these jeans fit me, get their measurements, or if I'd shopped with Vetricize in the past, exact measurements. And then that's kind of like my template when I go to any other websites and I just see how far it differs from their sizing. But it must be a challenge for you guys to get the measurement. You know, know, sometimes retailers, at least in the SKUs, have basic measurements. But, you know, how do you get... Is it a challenge for you as a business in terms of um, getting comprehensive... It used to be a bit of a... Yeah, so it used to be a little bit of a challenge uh, historically, but it's going really well now. And it's basically two different situations. Either uh, the client we're partnering with is a monobrand or they're a multi-brand. A monobrand being the likes of H&M and Gap uh, or Acne or any designer label, which has their design department in-house. And if they have that, the measurements are available somewhere in the organization. And we, I like to say that we become experts in, in sourcing these so-called spec sheets, or which is the specification of it, because you need these measurements to be able to produce clothes. So we are pretty good at working with garment technology teams, and we have a software that we built. So like the garment technology team can only just dump all their spec sheets to us, and we can automatically open all of them instantly and uh, extract the measurements that we need. So that is the case with a uh, uh, monobrand. So that's not really that difficult for us. It's getting faster and faster for us to launch. The other situation would be like a multi-brand retailer. And then what we've done with, uh, you know, if, if it's a big multi-brand retailer, we have worked with their buying team to reach out to the brands to ask for the spec sheets. Uh, and then obviously we start with the big, uh, the top selling brands, or they might even have like a private label. So a lot of like the, the big multi-brand retailers, they have a private label as well. So then we can cover their private label and we can pe- perhaps cover five to 10 of their top selling brands and boom, we have maybe 60% coverage, which, which is pretty, you know, it, that's pretty good already. That's, you know, making, uh, a huge improvement for the consumer. And then throughout the partnership, we, we of course, will continue to work and uh, to achieve uh, maybe 100% coverage. How do you cope with, with changing seasons? Yesterday's fashion is as good as in the dust. How do you manage... Um how do you manage, you know, catching up with changes in, you know, um, in, in season and fashion? Yeah, I love that question because it comes back to the core of what we do. So, you know, we are getting new spec sheets for every single style. That is, so if uh, a certain retailer would, uh, let's say Acne, for example, if Acne for this season right now, we, they sent us all the spec sheets for their new products for this season. And then we uh, extract all the measurements we need and match it to the product IDs. And boom, we have the silhouettes for the new seasons. And, and you know, our basic silhouette is, is this uh, We have uh, maybe 20 different basic silhouettes. And then they, these different silhouettes will, uh, you know, how do you say, they will kind of change the, their shape according to the measurement we are given. So we are, are pretty good. We, we illustrate the exact uh, shape and the dimensions uh, very, very accurately. Okay. So how many e-tailers are currently, like fashion e-tailers are currently on virtue size? So now we have uh, a bit above 30 retailers and we have uh, 
we have, you know, a few like smaller retailers that we started out with. We have like agreed uh, with them to kind of to pause the, the partnership a little bit for now and then come back when we have like, you know, when we are able to uh, help them uh, better to, to, to uh, get full coverage, etc. Because the point for us is that we need to try in order to become a standard in the world for illustrating size and fit, we need to go after the biggest retailers first. Our long-term goal is to be uh, available on every single brand, uh, regardless how small you are. But to come to that position, we need to start off with the biggest retailers because maybe like the two to 300 largest retailers in the world, they cover maybe 80% of the traffic going into apparel e-commerce. So uh, why I mentioned that was that we've had like, I think we have maybe around 32, 35 clients now. And it's been, it was more or less the same half a year ago because maybe one or two has, uh, uh, we have paused a little bit and then we got a few big ones uh, on board again. Okay. Or new ones. Okay. So I'm guessing that um, on one side of the business, which obviously is an income, you know, um, producing business, you have the eaters and uh, my deduction really is on the other side, you're building a massive database of users, of shoppers. Um, who keeping and trusting their size and, and silhouette are, you know, are with you. So when they, they go from website to website, eventually they just use what they have, their reference points to match and, you know, sizing on, on the retailer's, you know, website. Is that the case? Yeah, that's exactly the case. And, and it's also a very important question because it, so basically Virtuesize wants to, we want to become uh, a PayPal for illustrating size and fit. And this is very, very important. And I was speaking to one head of e-commerce as one of the largest retailers in Europe, actually. And he, he said exactly, you know, he had the exact same view as I have, that, you know, this is an industry problem. Being able to properly illustrate size and fit is an industry problem. It's not like the different retailers compete against each other with, with you know, technology features like this. I mean, they, the retailers and brands compete against each other with their products, right? Their, their design, etc. But for this a problem like this, it needs to be a third-party solution solving the problem. Because from the consumer side, if the consumer is going to be able to understand size and fit correctly down to style level, there is a little bit of an effort to uh, from their end. Uh, with our latest version, it's just one click, actually. But even if it's just one click to get started, it's still, you know, you don't want to go through that process with every new retailer. You want to kind of be able to build up something, uh, a wardrobe that you can use on any retailer. So from the consumer perspective, it's it's extremely important uh, that we are uh, able to be used everywhere. And from the retailer's end, it's actually also very important because, I mean, a big retailer there is only so many things they can focus on. And, you know, we are 30 people in this team now. We're looking to double the team during this year. So we are always, I would, you know, this is my perspective, but I think we are best in the best in the world to illustrate size and fit. And we are becoming better and better all the time. But if you were a retailer, you can't put in that effort to develop something like this. It's just impossible. And also, since we work with all the different retailers, we get... We work with different garment technology teams and, you know, the knowledge level for us and, you know, because there is a lot of knowledge enabled to illustrate this correctly. 
and our knowledge base just grows since we work with so many different retailers. But the last point here is that I haven't met nearly any retailer who would want to do this themselves. They all of them say this is fantastic that you do you solve this. This is one of our biggest pain point, and you know if you can solve this, it would be just fantastic. Interesting. So do you have patents to protect your technology? Not just the technology, yeah. but okay, all right. Yes, we do. Or I mean, it takes some time to get the proper patent, but we have patent pending all over the world. So yes, we have a patent for for this concept of of putting two garments on top of each other with uh, visually with two silhouettes. And on top of that, you know, we it's so much not. It, it'll be pretty hard to copy us. Uh, I, I would, I would uh, argue. I mean, you're, you're, you're going it, out to to set up a standard, which is a challenge in itself and phenomenal. But starting from the top with the big retailers that have huge users or shoppers. Um, is yeah. the way to go. And I have to commend you on that. I'm going to move on really quickly to a study. I have a note here and I, I just wanted to mention it and um, sort of related to what you're saying before we, we go into um, the next part of the interview. I read a study conducted by the shirt makers Thomas Pink um, about shopping yeah. behaviors in, in physical stores of theirs. And they said shoppers who engage with the fitting room were more likely to turn to customers. So in, in essence, you're pretty much providing a fitting room more or less. You know, the, the people yep. know their sizes and, you know, there's a system where they log into virtue size. Once it's it's there, they fit themselves in based on this, on their best, on, on their optimal size. And, and bingo, um, they, they have a, um, they, they know if it fits or not. Okay, right. Uh, let, let me just uh, put an important yeah. note there. Yes, please. Thomas Pink is, is not actually not the partner of ours. It's uh, one of our competitors. So I need to give any, I think it's, it fits me uh, who are uh, solving this problem for, or trying to solve this problem for Thomas Pink. And they do it differently than us. But I mean, they're de- certainly trying to solve the same problem. And yeah, the effects, if they are successful, uh, would be the same. Typically. Yes, I was, I was actually just um, relating this to the physical stores, because, you know, um, when we go virtually, you know, um, I don't know what, what their solutions are, you know, on, online, um, Thomas Pink. But it's interesting that another platform, um, you know, is um, it's a good point you, you made out there. Okay, let's move on to, um, I'm just checking out another website of yours. Well, the client of yours, Acne Studios. And yep. look, it's quite intuitive. I'm just clicking through to the size in here. It's very deeply integrated, in my humble opinion. How long does it take you to sign up and sort of integrate Virtue Size with the retailer's e-commerce platform? Yeah, so, so I agree. On Acne, uh, it's uh, we have uh, customized our tool uh, to, to fit with their look and feel. So there's CSS, so it's the exact same colors and uh, C- well, the, the exact same CSS, color and font, and that. It's actually only that, and then it looks, you know, perfect. But for the integration, there is two parts of the integration, or if I can use the word implementation of size instead. Uh, so there is the technical integration, which is very straightforward. It's actually we have a, a script on the product page and a script on the checkout page. And, and from those two scripts, size is run, and, you know, it's run from our servers. So the technical integration is very straightforward and it depends on the size of the retailer and, you know, their tech team, but it can be very quick to integrate, you know, uh, within a few days. 
Uh, it depends how they plan their sprints, but it's super straightforward. But the other part of the implementation of Vertisize is to agree with the team at the retailer how, how we can work together. Because we, it's not just about you know putting Vertisize on the site. We also need to have uh, to work with their garment tech team twice a year to get the, their spec sheets. With some retailers, we we get spec sheets every week. And initially, you know, uh, just before we have all the contact details to the right people, uh, you know, it might take uh, one or two or three weeks. But as soon as that is up and running and we've kind of tweaked and and, uh, streamlined that process, we get the specs almost automatically. With some retailers, we have like a direct uh, feed built to their so that's the second part of it. And the third part is to fine tune uh, the button on the product page. So it's important that the, the vertice button is next to the size selector. I mean, obviously, that makes sense. And then, you know, uh, we need to make sure that the button is correctly uh, positioned and that the explanation of what vertice is is clear. So we usually have a mouse over over the button, sort of like a uh, uh, speak bubble explaining what Virtuosize is about. And now with the new version of Virtuosize, it's very cool. We actually, in this uh, speak but, uh, bubble or, or the mouse over, we have, we actually show a, a picture of uh, a garment of the same category, category that is, has been bought before. So the consumer can see, oh, that's, you know, I know own that uh, shirt. Oh, that's interesting. I'll click on that button and then I click on the button and they see, you know, the shirt they're looking to buy with one picture and the shirt they're looking to, uh, they already bought and you can use as a reference uh, at the second uh, picture. So, uh, yeah, but that's the implementation phase. So for a really big retailer, we're usually smoothly up and running with them in two months. In two months. Okay. Okay. But, but, uh, but and then, again, and then that's more long term because once you set up the infrastructure, it's it's a relationship. It's an ongoing relationship, really, because you you'd have set up the feeds and you have the process. And every time they release um, a new batch of clothing for a season, it should automatically pipe into their virtue size. And okay. another thing on this, on our relationship with the retailer, is that we want to keep this relationship very. We really look at it as a partnership rather than us selling a tool. We, we don't even call ourselves uh, on the business side the salespeople. We talk about new partnerships. And, and it's hopefully a partnership that lasts forever. And what we can add also is, I mean, we solve this problem, but we can also add a lot of, you know, give a lot of insights back to the retailer about their consumers and how they behave and, you know, what their preferences are around size and fit and, and you know, how the tool is performing and we can even pick up other things other you know what the tastes the consumers have not just in terms of fa- uh, size and fit but also in terms of you know style and colors, so, I, so i take it you're saving a lot of this data to get unique insights eventually definitely definitely it's not our core business to do that i mean our core business was and it is still to to solve this problem but it's been sort of like it's a side effect that is is very valuable for everyone so we're definitely putting in a lot of resources to be very good at analyzing data and, and give back to the retailers interesting okay so a lot of our listeners are waiting for some of the tips you have for fashion retailers on um, reducing their returns in fact the core of this interview is how to reduce your returns as a fashion retailer before we do that 
I want to talk about like the core value proposition of installing VirtuSize. We'd been exchanging emails prior to this interview and I got three core well, things or three core solutions or three core pain points VirtuSize actually helps retailers tackle, which is why we're talking actually about reducing returns. The first is you decrease the size and fit, sorry, size and fit related returns by 50% up to 50%. The others, the other is um, you increase, you help increase conversions by about 20%. And um, the last was um, you help increase average order value by about 28%. I would like you to please expand on, on these points I made. About yeah, definitely. And these numbers are um, more or less correct. I'll, I'll, I'll adjust them a little bit, uh, both upwards and downwards. So the first one, uh, decreasing returns. We actually, when we are used, we actually decrease returns even more than that. It's not It's not uh, necessarily just, uh, I mean, what we have seen at big retailers is that we re- reduce returns by 40% period, not just the size and fit related returns, but the overall returns with uh, 40%. Can I, can, I cut you, can I come in, please, just to ask you a really quick question before it slips off. So for every 100 shoppers, how many people use yep. sizing in fashion retail? And how many people, how, use, how many people use like the size guide or virtue size? What's the percentage? Okay, so that, that, that's a harder question to answer. Um, uh, but it's virtue size. So at, our, at the best partnerships we have, uh, the usage of virtue size is above 20%. I think we have, you know, at some retailers, it's 24% of all the shoppers use VirtuSize. But this varies a lot depending on the retailer and our relationship with them. It's, it's first, we know now that, you know, when people click on VirtuSize with our new version that uses purchase history, 80% continue to use the product. That's huge. Like almost every single person who opens VirtuSize use it. But then the other point is how, how many people click on, on VirtuSize. And that's a question of how good uh, is the partnership in, in explaining and, uh, and telling the shoppers about VirtuSize. And also, and that has to do with, you know, the partnership basically, and also, you know, product development from our end. So I was talking about the mouse over explaining what VirtuSize is. That is uh, extremely important as well. So that increases usage massively. Okay, so are, we, are people- we talking about the 20%? So with these stats, are we talking about that 20% of people who use it? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. We're only talking sense. about people who use VirtuSize. Okay. Good. Uh, and when people are, use virtu- are using VirtuSize, we reduce the returns uh, by up to 40%. Why we put in size and fit related returns here is that, I mean, it's, it's important to know that on average, retailers have uh, up to 30% returns, and half of them are size and fit related. So, uh, we know very confidently we can take away at least half of the size and fit related returns, but it's actually been shown that we can decrease returns even more than that. I I can back those stats up. My wife um, should shop in a store and should get like 12 items and should return like seven of them, you know, more than half. Well, well more than half. She tries them on and then she returns. And that's an interesting uh, point because that's, a very common behavior and it that's an historic behavior also that kind of uh, lingers on from the mail ordering uh, uh, history because with the mail ordering companies the, the, the whole business model was try at home so you were they encouraged people to buy three sizes and try and send back two 
But of course, this is extremely expensive for the consumer, uh, for the retailer. So every single return costs at least 20 euros for a retailer, regardless of the cost of the item. If they sell a T-shirt for five euros, the, the return is still uh, 20 euros. And I think, you know, the, the awareness of this varies a little bit between retailers. A lot of people uh, know that a return is this expensive, but some people don't really know that. They, and it depends a little bit on where this, the cost for the returns are, are kind of, uh, you know, put into the income statement. But to just to draw up a few costs, uh, I mean, if you offer free returns, you have like double shipping uh, costs, you have double credit card costs, and you have double handling costs. Also, if you get something back, you need to, you know, open it up, check if it's resellable, and then put it back in and, uh, and put it into the business system. That costs a lot of money. But the big chunk is all, uh, is the markdowns or the non-sellable items. So if you sell something in December, and you get it back in January, you have to put that item on sale uh, for most brands. And then the, uh, this item will lose half of its value because it's usually 50% sale. And then, but the other thing is also that a lot of these items that come back are not resellable. And you, you might have heard about the, you know, the Salora parties where people buy fancy dresses just to use at a party and then they send it back. And for, from the retailer perspective, it's not worthwhile to, to kind of uh, <laughs> fight with the consumers, you know, the consumer is always right. So, so that's another huge problem. Or it could be more, more uh, conservative shoppers that have tried it on and, you know, some, for, for one reason or another, it's not resellable. And then you also have like the, you know, the, the fact that if you have uh, 30% of your inventory uh, spinning around in the return cycle, that's a, that's a big uh, cost of capital. The other thing is that, you know, like uh, the negative experience of, of uh, having to send something back that usually, uh, you know, ends up uh, with the consumer not coming back. And the last thing on this note is that, uh, like all the people who don't return stuff because they can't be bothered. You know, maybe in, you know, the spoiled people in the, in the, in the Western world, uh, as we live in, you might buy and, you know, also because uh, a lot of these retailers are putting out products that are not super expensive, uh, but still great products. I think a lot of people kind of react that, you know, oh, it only, this dress only costs maybe 10 uh, euros. Um, but it didn't fit. Oh, I'm not going to bother. be bothered. <laughs> and that's really dangerous. Of course, it's awful from a you know consumerism uh, uh, standpoint. It's just waste of the world's resources. But but also from the retailer's perspective, it's very very negative because if you have you know if you think about the consumer that don't send the, uh, their products back because they can't be bothered, then typically they have the red dress hanging in their wardrobe as a constant reminder of the bad experience. So that's why I'm saying, conservatively speaking, the return, uh, the cost of the return is only 20 euros. But this is a conservatively, it's, it's even very, very difficult. You want to minimize to, that, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's wasted. Difficult, it's difficult to understand how much a return costs, but at least 20 euros with a, with a very clear cost. Interesting. Very, very, very good point there. Um, didn't really think about it that way, but it makes a lot of sense um, in terms of returns and, and the cost of returns both ways. And also that negative experience, really. You yeah. really want to reduce that fiction, really, and to get them to be almost there 
you know, as possible. And I, I just, I like the fact that you, you get your best fitting trousers, for instance. I, for instance, you know, I have big thighs and I go into a Zara, for instance, and um, I think I'm a 32 and it just doesn't fit my thighs. I need to buy a 34. I feel fat. But, well, I have you know. the same problem. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I run a lot. But I have quite big thighs too. Yes, indeed. Okay. Yeah. Right. But, let's... Uh, yeah, let me just uh, quickly say something about conversion and, and you know, the other benefits. And, and um, so, order value, yes. Order value as well. So on the conversion side, that's harder to establish exactly how much we increase conversion. So we have cases where we increase conversion with 20%, but it depends on the size of the retailer, of course. But I think here is where the huge potential is. Because if you think about it, it's interesting, clothes, clothing or apparel is the biggest product group on the internet. So in terms of value, it's much bigger than books and electronics. But in terms of penetration, it's nowhere near those two categories. So for books and electronics, I think over 60, up to 60, almost 60% of all the books and electronics are sold online. But for clothes, it's still around 10, at, at the maximum 10% of all the clothes are sold online. And then, you know, one might wonder why are not more clothes sold online? Well, if you ask the average person, person on the street, why don't you shop clothes online? They will say that nine out of 10 people will say that it's because I can't try on the clothes. So uh, I think this is where the big potential is. And I think the world would be much more efficient and more fun if, if you were able to shop online. I think it's great. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's not great to shop offline too, but uh, you, you want to buy, be able to buy the bulk of your clothes uh, online and then uh, occasionally run into different shops. And maybe you go to smaller boutiques in that case. But for the big brands, there is no uh, reason why you shouldn't be able to shop online. Interesting. So what about mobile? Talking about online, offline, it just reminds me of omni-channel marketing and the impact of mobile. So do you have a mobile strategy for virtue size? Definitely. I, I might not expand uh, too much about that uh, other than, you know, hinting a little bit if it's okay, uh, because it's not uh, launched, uh, you know, our solution on this. But yeah, we definitely uh, have a mobile strategy. In terms of the product right now, it works very nicely on mobiles because it's uh, responsive. So, but of course, you know, a smaller mobile, like, you know, iPhone 5, etc. it might, you know, the experience might not be as, as good. So, so a mobile app is definitely in the working, uh, in the, will be launched. Then, of course, I mean, another thing, what we want to do and what a lot of retailers are asking us to do, they say, this is fantastic, uh, your solution. And finally, someone has cracked this properly <laughs> but can you please take it offline too because we need to want we want to marry the two the offline world and online world and this is definitely something we're looking to do with the with the bigger retailers to kind of marry the two the experience of the two so basically being able to offer virtue size also in the in the stores and that has a lot of advantages but i, I can't uh, you know tell too much about it without no, no problem at all revealing the exact solution it's it's great to know that there is a strategy that there's something in the in the pipeline okay now let's get into the the major core and um, we have about 10 15 minutes left and and that's got to do really with um your advice on how to re reduce returns in fashion 
retail? Yeah, definitely. So let me uh, start not by virtue size, <laughs> because that's obviously, obviously one of our or my, my biggest advice. But let, let's just start, you know, with the perspective of how do you try on clothes when you shop online? In the real world, you you put them on your body and you have the light and the mirror and, you know, you get everything uh, at the sa- exact same time. But when you're gonna tran- when you transfer this uh, procedure to online, it's inevitable that you break it up. And the first step is to uh, be able to illustrate to the consumer the color, cut, and design of the garment. And that is done uh, mo- uh, today most easily and with pictures. And most retailers are really good with this. And the more picture, the better, I would almost say. Of course, this is a matter of cost, of course, and how you structure the photo shoots, etc. But it's interesting to note that in uh, Europe and in, uh, in Europe and US, the typical retailer will have three to five pictures, maybe three to six pictures of the product. Whereas in uh, Japan and actually even in, uh, in China, even more, they have, you know, sort of 10 pictures of the product. I mean, I think on uh, Alibaba, you have like 15 pictures. I'm not sure if it was Alibaba or another as, as standard in, in fashion. Yeah, almost as standard, but it, it's at least, it's almost double as many pictures. Customers expect that many photographs. Okay. Yeah, but I, I imagine they have, uh, you know, a very quick uh, and, uh, and, and uh, efficient process for this. But I, I think for sure three to five is enough if you have high resolution pictures that you can zoom into. Because if you have that, you get a good uh, understanding of color cut and design. But then another topic that is important here is that, you know, the light when you take the pictures needs to be exactly right. Because often, uh, from my own experience actually, but you buy something and, you know, from the pictures, it looks like the, the color is slightly darker or slightly lighter than when you actually receive the pa- package. And that has to do with, you know, the light when you when you uh, shoot the pictures, but also, of course, everyone is using different screens, etc. So this is a bit of a challenge, but it's very important. What some retailers also do, they have catwalks, so films, short films. Of yes, especially models. on the high end. Especially Netaport, they have that. That's very good. But the first step is really to work with the visual stuff like the pictures, catwalk, etc., to provide a good understanding or a good illustration. Of, uh, is is video cut. return on its investment? A lot of people are doing videos also, you know, it's perhaps models turning around. And, and as you just alluded to, um, cat works. What should mid-tier, so a lot of the the listeners here are mid-tier, multi-million um, pound or euro or dollar businesses. And, you know, it's all about cost and benefits, really. They're trying to maybe push out 20 items of a particular stock or a particular design. Is our videos worth investment? I couldn't, wouldn't be able to give a good answer on that. But I would imagine that just having good pictures is enough. I would rather have a few more pictures uh, than a catwalk video. Although I think it, a catwalk video makes a lot of sense. But, you know, for a slightly smaller retailer, uh, pictures is uh, just fine. What is interesting, a lot of retailers are being pretty consistent with the people they shoot the garments on. So they, you know, for some smaller retailers that I personally shop from, uh, they have the same model that shows the garments always. And and that's really helpful because you, then you start to be able to relate a little more to that model. 
you know roughly how how big it is and and etc. But you can't go all the way there. Uh, to go all the way to understand size and fit, you need virtual size. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but it's a good start to have the same uh, model. Moving on, another part of trying on a clothes is of course to understand the quality, and and this is a, a very very big challenge, of course. But I think good way is to have fabric breakdowns. So, you know, the, the garment is this and that much cotton or polyester or elastic or cashmere, etc. But also actually writing a little bit about the, if you're talking about like if you're selling jeans, for example, you might want to, even if, you know, for a typical pair of jeans, it would be 100% cotton. But you would want to understand, you know, is this a heavy denim or it's, is it, you know, pre-washed, etc. Because then you, as a consumer, you, you get a good idea. Or, you know, if you sell uh, T-shirts, you might have different fabrics of your T-shirt. But for one specific retailer, I know that I buy T-shirts from, they have three different qualities. No, four different qualities, which out of which three are cotton, but they're different. So it could be like a thin cotton or a, or a heavier cotton. Right. So without getting too technical, they describe it in a way that you will describe it as a consumer, because a lot of people also <laughs> will think about it from their perspective so i reckon you also have to be quite plain english about it in a way when you're describing the the, the fabrics definitely definitely you, you need to be very plain english and then moving on to you know my favorite favorite topping illustrating size and fit it's extremely important and please uh, if you're retailer, don't write true to size because it doesn't make any sense. No one knows what true to size means because there is no true to size. You need to have virtual size. You need to properly illustrate, you know, the exact dimensions of the specific garments. So true to size doesn't solve the problem at all. Gen generic size guides definitely doesn't solve the problem. It probably makes the problem worse. But a solution that can you know, accurately and intuitively visualize the exact dimensions of the garment they're looking to buy in a way that you can relate to. That's definitely what's needed to capture that. And then if you put together these three things like color, cut and design, you know, the pictures, you know, the quality and size and fit, then marrying all of those, that's basically trying clothes online. Yeah, so you're pretty much digitizing that fit room experience, fitting room experience. Definitely, definitely. And then, I mean, I can give, I can go on. There are a lot of other things that you can uh, think of, of course. But I mean, you know, a, a good uh, customer service is, of course, important. You know, what, what else? I mean, there are a lot of things that might not be directly linked to returns, but has to do with, you know, being offering a good uh, experience i think going back to this this very much connects to the the thomas pink physical store insight which was like shoppers who are engaged in the fitting room are likely to turn to customers so these three key points you've made which is emphasizing the color cut and design with photographs well quality photographs understanding the quality and helping your customers understand the, the quality and fabric breakdown and finding the illustrating size and fit puts you in that fitting room to get you to to buy and not only buy reduced returns in in other words so you said on top of these points good customer service do you have any other points you want to sort of close up on this 
let me see. I, I, because I, I feel very confident and happy about those tips because I think they're really good. So they're really I might core. not want to dilute less, it. Less, less is more. Less is more. It could be a little bit. But I, of course, you know, things like, you know, pay, goods payment solutions, etc. That's important for the whole consumer experience. But I think that's been in the workings during the last decade. Those are core. So you have like PayPal in, in the Scandinavia. You have Klarna. You have a lot of good like payment solutions, and that's of course very important too. And then just the general uh, general uh, user experience of the site. So, for example, if if you're a big retailer, uh, if I get in as a consumer to a big retailer, I want to buy a dress. I have a specific you know type of dress uh, in my head, but this retailer sells maybe thousands of or hundreds of dresses at least. Then, you know, you click onto the category of dress, but if you can filter it more narrowly, it's extreme. That's fantastic. And I think most people have that. Most retailers have that. But, you know, if you would filter it down to skater dresses or party dresses or uh, A-line dresses, etc. And then, you know, being able to filter on color and uh, maybe filtering uh, on other things, too. Eventually, we want to offer uh, filtering on size and fit, so you can uh, filter through all. You can find all the si- uh, dresses that fit similarly to a reference garment. That okay, have. that that about rounds up the interview. But I have a, a few last questions. Thank you so much, Peter. Um, yeah, thank one, you. Uh, welcome. Um, one of the things is um, what books and resources um, about growth marketing in retail specifically would you recommend to our listeners? Ah, I, I, I mean, I read more. I read quite a lot of books. You know. Uh, talking about how you actually uh, distribute and uh, scale an internet uh, product. I think PayPal Wars is a great, uh, great book. Uh, that's a definitely a great book. Another one on product iteration that I really like, classic as well now, I think. And, and just to say, product iteration, I think a lot of what these retailers do on, on the online side of things is product iteration. I mean, they're improving their site and the user experience on and on. And I think, you know, The Lean Startup is a great book about that. Although it's about startups, but it still makes sense. It's about product iteration. I love that book. And uh, what else? I mean, this is a very, just uh, for fun, I I love uh, the book about Steve Jobs as well, uh, because large parts of that book uh, was about product iteration. Even though it was in a previous area and it's, uh, you know, uh, hardware, Mostly, but it's not most. I mean, there there were so many inventions coming out from him, so many groundbreaking, disruptive, uh, changing the world innovations. And I think they talk about the product iteration in a very good way. Okay, fantastic, really, really good. So, so PayPal was Lean Startup and the and the Steve Jobs and biography. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. Thank you so much, Peter. I just want to say, if people wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Potential uh, partners, retailers, or they can, you know, they can, if they are, I mean, if they can go on to our site and there they will find uh, an email address to Anders, who's the head of partnership. If they can also email me directly if they like, <laughs> but but I'll try to. I mean, if it's about partnership, uh, I'll be happy to receive emails. And, and then uh, you know, my name is Peter. It's spelled with a D, P E D E R at virtuesize.com. 
Are you on Twitter, Facebook, um, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google Plus? Yeah, I'm definitely on uh, on all of that. On Twitter, I'm not personally on Twitter, or you know, if I am actually, but uh, it's we have like a virtual size account. Okay, so okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll add that to to the show notes. I'm also going to add um, a video. You, I, I like the there's a you know how virtual size works video, which I'll add to the to the show notes. So my final bye-byes really is I wish you guys the very best get into the top, you know, the moment when there's a big uptake at the top, it will trickle down to, to the mid-size and small businesses and it would be a standard. So, so wish you the very best, Peter, and thank you so much for coming on to the show. Well, thank you very much, uh, Kunli. And uh, it was uh, indeed my pleasure to be on the show. Pleasure. Cheers. Bye. All right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the 2X e-commerce podcast show. If you enjoyed listening to the show, please support us by leaving a review on iTunes to help improve the show's rankings. See you next time.